As we uh, jump into James 3 this morning, I want to thank Josh Parrish for teaching last week. He did an incredible job uh, setting up uh, the first half of of James chapter 3, and I think we all felt our toes stepped on a little bit as uh, he talked about taming the tongue. Woo, that's tough to do. Uh, But today, we're going to jump into the second half, and, and as we do that, I want us to begin thinking about this question, do I like the person I'm becoming? Do I like who I am becoming? Or are there some things about us that we think, ah, I I wish I didn't have that part of me. (laughs) There are a few characteristics here or there that probably need a little work or effort. Or maybe there are some things that we think we wish we could add to the repertoire. Like, man, if I just had that, I I would feel a lot better about about who I am and, and how I live. Do I like who I'm becoming? James wants to challenge us this morning in this way. I'm reminded of a book that Andy Stanley wrote just a couple of years ago called The Principle of the Path. And in that book, the premise is is pretty simple that whatever path you're on, it leads to a particular destination. And if you don't like the destination that it leads to, then simply change the path and go in a different direction to the destination that you desire. Well, this is how James wants us to begin thinking this morning, that we need to assess where we are and where we're going. We need to think about the kind of person that we're becoming, the path that we're on and the destination that it leads to. You know, I think about this in terms of my kids. Um, this is uh, basic, but you know, when we uh, invest in our children, uh, my wife and I, we have two kiddos. Our daughter just turned eight. Our son is four. Uh, we try to teach them little things that will help them become a certain kind of person. We don't want them to grow up and walk around and meet people and say, yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, okay, yeah, uh uh-huh. And we're just like, no, no, no. Look at their eyes, all right? Shake their hands, give them a good firm handshake, say please and thank you, it's nice to meet you. You know, just basic kinds of things. We, We try to train them in a particular way so that they can become certain kinds of people. Well, James, he invites us. In fact, I would say he challenges us this morning to look at the path that we're on and to consider joining a new path, to consider putting a new destination in our GPS so that we can go in a new direction and arrive at the place really where we want to be and ultimately where God wants us to be. Andy Stanley, in his book, The Principle of the Path, he says it like this. The direction you are currently traveling, or relationally, financially, spiritually, and the list goes on, it will determine where you end up in each of those respective areas. So how am I doing relationally? And is there something that I need to do differently? How am I doing financially? Is this what I want to do or to be, how I want to live? And spiritually, am I in a right relationship with God and his people? What does it look like for me to follow after God And arrive at the place where he wants me to be. Well, here's how James introduces the topic to us this morning. James chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. He wants to tell us that wisdom is worth pursuing. That wisdom is a path that we get on, and that path leads into a particular direction. Now, if you would 
think for just a moment about people in your life, in your sphere, or, or people that you respect who are wise. It may take a moment because our society doesn't value wisdom today like it was once valued. And so we have to spend some time thinking about who is wise and what is wisdom. Now, just uh, for a little bit of comparison and contrast, uh, wisdom is not knowledge, all right? You can learn lots of stuff. Knowledge is about data and facts and information. You can learn a whole lot and still lack wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the right thing and knowing how to do it. It's integrating keen insight with the appropriate action. Wisdom brings together what we've learned and applies it into life. And that's what James wants us to pursue. He says this is the right destination. The reason it's the right destination is because it leads to a good life. If you know someone that's wise, chances are they live a good life. If you know someone that is living a good life, chances are they've tapped into wisdom, this wisdom that comes from God. Now, in our culture, we don't value, I've said this, uh, uh, wisdom like the ancients once did. Uh, we value all kinds of other things. We value, for example, uh, success. We value fame. We value wealth. What is it that you and I pursue? We value Instagram followers and Facebook friends. We want to make our life as comfortable as possible. And those are the kinds of things that we pursue. And James wants us to step back from that and say, hey, consider for just a moment that if you pick a different destination and a different path, your life will be better. Uh, for example, we have in this country, uh, we have a national student debt of $1.71 trillion dollars. So we've pursued knowledge, but I'm not sure that we're any wiser for it. And so James, he, he, he gives us this opportunity to evaluate what worldly wisdom looks like in comparison to godly wisdom. Here's how Proverbs talks about wisdom. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 verses 5 through 7. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> and in another place it says, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. This is a worthwhile investment. This is a worthwhile pursuit to set wisdom ahead of us, and to chase after wisdom. And let me remind you that in James chapter 1, verse 5, week 1 of our series, James said, pray and God will give you wisdom. God gives generously to all without finding fault. If you'll simply pray and ask for God, he will provide you wisdom to know what to do, to know how to do it in your relationships, in your finances, in your spiritual life. God wants to give this to his children. And so James draws out this contrast for us. And we're going to look at the two sides of wisdom, if you will. He, he calls the first an earthly wisdom, right? A wisdom of this world. And really, it's no wisdom at all. It leads to a place we don't want to go. It opposes God. And then he contrasts that with a heavenly wisdom, with wisdom that does come from God. And, and it, I think you'll see, it is what we do ultimately desire. So James chapter 3 uh, verse 14, but if you harbor 
bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, you know, air, we do the air quotes, such wisdom, it does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, even dem- demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Now these things that James is addressing, this, this bitter envy, this selfish ambition, he, he, he's using loaded language and imagery to talk about what's really pretty common in our day. I mean, we're, we're jealous of things, or we're selfish about things, and, and we don't think twice about it. It's pretty normal. And he uses this loaded language to show us how dangerous and deadly it actually is. He says if we harbor these things. To harbor is, is to invite a ship to come in and port. It's to give safety and peace to that vessel and to let it sit there. And he says, if you harbor in your hearts bitter envy and selfish ambition, it's going to lead you to a place that you don't actually want to go. A bitter envy here, this word, uh, a, friend, a preacher friend of mine defines it like this. It's the dark side of jealousy. The dark side of jealousy. Jealousy is when I want something that you have. But bitter envy takes it to the next level. It's that I want you to suffer so that I can have the thing that you have. It it says I want you to pay the price so I can get what you have. Or I've experienced some loss, and I want you to experience that loss as well. That There's this bitterness, this this spirit of vengefulness in this kind of envy. This is one of the reasons why in America we take such pleasure or delight in seeing someone fall from grace. You know, a celebrity makes a mistake and uh, they put it in the tabloids and it makes the news and it sells. And it's because if someone else gets pulled down, we feel a little bit better about ourselves. We get lifted up a little bit. And, and so we often delight in these kinds of things and it, it may stem from a place of bitter envy. Don't let that harbor in your heart, is what James says. And don't let selfish ambition be harboring in your heart. Selfish ambition, it is when you are pursuing something only for your benefit, right? It's achieving and doing things, but all with a self-centered focus. It's a me-first kind of a mindset. I'm going to do it my way when I want. I'm going to get the thing that I desire. Whatever it takes, it's about me. And uh, I read a story a couple of years ago about a kid. He's eight years old. It stuck out to me, I guess, because my daughter just turned eight. But uh, this kid is in Ohio, and he decides one Sunday night that he wants a cheeseburger from McDonald's. True story. made the news. And the only problem was his parents were asleep on the couch that evening. And so he decided to take matters into his own hands. He went on YouTube and searched how to drive a car. So he watched a couple of videos. He went and he got his parents' keys. He got his four-year-old younger sister in the passenger seat. They loaded up in the the family minivan. And the police said that he drove with excellence, observing all the traffic signals, not going above the speed limit, two miles into town to the local McDonald's. 
and there he ordered said cheeseburger, all right? Now, the cashier began to notice that something was off, and she was looking around like, wait a minute, where are the parents at here? I don't see any parents. And then she really knew what was happening when he pulled out his piggy bank to pay in dimes and nickels for the cheeseburger. So she called the police, and they came. Uh, man, when they talked to this kid, he, was de- he cried that he did something wrong. He couldn't believe it. Uh, we don't know how badly he was grounded. I don't know the rest of the story. But it illustrates selfish ambition in a humorous way. We often pursue the things that we want at whatever expense to other people. And James says if you, if you live this way, if you, if you have bitter envy, if you have selfish ambition, it will lead to... Notice this, he says, uh, well, first, not only is it earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, that's what it is, it will lead to a particular place. It leads to disorder and every evil practice. It leads us to a place of absolute chaos. It leads us toward evil, and and we don't want to end in that place. At first, worldly wisdom, (laughs) it may... humming a little bit, sorry. At first, worldly wisdom, it may satisfy just temporarily. Uh, There may actually be some kind of satisfaction or reward from it in the temporary, but ultimately it has a trajectory, and that's, that's not where any of us want to go or need to be. So instead of this, James wants to present to us another path a different kind of wisdom as the destination uh, so that our lives will be what God intends for them to be. I was thinking about Nelson Mandela in this regard. I was reminded of a quote uh, that he said. Nelson Mandela uh, is, uh, there's a lot of things we could say about him, but in particular I'm thinking about when he was in prison in South Africa for opposing apartheid. He spent 27 years in jail, and when he was released, he had a choice to make. He had two options as he looked forward in his life. Uh, The first option was to hold on to what had happened to him and to let it shape him into a certain kind of person or to let go of it and allow him to become a different person altogether. Here's what he said as he walked out of prison that day. That day when I stepped out of prison and looked at the people observing, a flush of anger hit me with the thought that they had robbed me of 27 years. Then the Spirit of Jesus said to me, Nelson, while you were in prison, you were free. Now that you are free, don't become a prisoner. How powerful. Later he went on to write it like this. As I walked out the door, Toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. Now, wisdom of this world tells you to get the temporary satisfaction that comes from living with bitter envy and selfish ambition. And James says, don't for a second believe it. Don't harbor that in your heart. Instead, be free. The, 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 freedom of this, the, the freedom of God is not something that this world can offer. It, the, 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 the wisdom of this world, it will leave you imprisoned, and it will keep you from God's best for your life. And so James goes on to tell us about the other way to live, the different path. And he says in verse uh, 14, excuse me, no, down further. He says in verse 17, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all 
pure. It's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And as we read this list, you and I, we see the difference. We see the contrast. He's encouraging us to put God's wisdom at the forefront. And when we pursue God's wisdom, these things begin to line up in our lives. He first of all says that it's pure. The word pure is the word for virgin. It's water that is filtered and clean for drinking. That when we live according to the wisdom that God gives from heaven, when we pray for that wisdom and receive it, we will be pure. And he says, peace-loving. Peace-loving, this is the idea that uh, we build bridges, right? We make amends wherever possible. Uh, This is that we always assume the best and give the benefit of the doubt. We mend relationships. That's what it means to be peace-loving. By the way, when we look at this list, you're going to see a lot of parallels to the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, James, or Jesus there in Matthew 5, uh, he preaches the sermon, Matthew 5 through 7, called the Sermon on the Mount. He begins with the Beatitudes, and he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. James is borrowing some of the language from his half-brother, Jesus, as he writes this list. And if you would lay them side by side, you would see the parallels throughout. The great thing about this to be pure, to be peace-loving. This is what Jesus was for us. Jesus was pure. He was sinless. He was in heaven at the right hand of God, and he said, God, I want to go and rescue your people. And Jesus entered into a sinful world, and he was unstained by sin. He remained pure. He fulfilled the law of God where we could not, and he offers us peace with God. Jesus was peace-loving. He actually sacrificed himself. He died on a cross and rose from the dead so that we could be made right with God. That in our sin, we would receive grace and mercy and forgiveness. That's the gospel. It's the good news of Christ. And this is what Jesus did for us. It's what James challenges us to follow in the way of Jesus. He says, if you are a Christ follower, then you will pursue wisdom and it will express itself in these ways. Pure, peace-loving, and consider it. Uh, consider it, this is actually the word gentle, but it's not because it's soft, right? It's because whatever we're dealing with is so valuable. It's so precious. It's like holding a newborn infant, right? We don't just toss that thing around unless you're a nurse or something. You know, we, we take care, we hold, I'm just kidding to our nurses, we hold a baby with, with it's precious, it's valuable, and, and we, we are considerate in how we interact with an infant. And then submissive. Usually we think about submissive in terms of authority, right? Like, oh, my boss told me to do this. I don't want to do it. I guess I have to because they're the boss and i got to submit. And it's, it's just like this uncomfortable submission that we dislike. That's how we think about the word. But here, this is a unique word. It actually has to do with being compliant, In other words, here, being compliant, it means not being argumentative, 
not being forceful, not having to get your way. You're actually glad to work with others and uh, to make peace, like we talked about earlier. The next phrase is full of mercy and good fruit. That God in heaven, he showed and showered us with mercy. That we were not judged for our sin, but we were given grace. And because God has had grace and mercy on us, we should extend grace and mercy to other people. That we are full of mercy and full of good fruit. That as we live in the way of wisdom, we just... It's natural. It produces good fruit. This list, we see it in our lives, in the way that we interact with each other, in the way that we work in our church. We see these things developing and reaping harvest. And the last two is impartial and sincere. And to be impartial is to actually have no favoritism or no discrimination toward someone else. To be impartial and to be sincere. Uh, sincere in the original language it just means without hypocrisy there there's no dual standard there's no double-mindedness you are sincere and authentic and genuine that's the list that james gives us when we pursue god's wisdom and so the challenge then for us would be to think about which path am i on which set of characteristics do I see in my life? And, and, and if we see this second list, James ends with this incredible word. He says it's a harvest of righteousness. That ultimately, when we choose God's wisdom, we reap a harvest of righteousness. I was thinking about this. He, he begins with the word harboring. Don't harbor Don't let the ship of envy or selfish, don't let that harbor in your heart. Instead, if we will live according to God's wisdom, we will harvest, right? Uh, Now, we we, we don't live in as agricultural of a society as we once did. But when we plant certain seeds, they produce certain fruits, uh, certain vegetables, certain crops. And if we will invest in, pursue wisdom, pray and ask for God to give it to us, we will begin to see this kind of fruit in our lives. We'll be able to reap a harvest. Instead of harboring these things, harvest these things in your life. I like how N.T. Wright talks about this. He's an author and he's a scholar and he says about this list, this challenge. It would be worth spending time to work through the words in the list one by one. Do it slowly. Review your life in light of them. You might want to make note of the times, the places, even particularly the people that make it hard for you to live in this way. Then pray for strength and for this wisdom from above to hold firm when the challenge comes round once more. And this is the challenge from James and from N.T. Wright. This is the challenge for us today that sometime this week that you would sit down with the list in James 3 and you would look at the worldly wisdom and the list there and reflect and consider what what do I see of this in my life and ask God to enter in and to take away and to heal and forgive for those things 
And then look at the list of godly wisdom and the characteristics and attributes that come from that and and to pray, God, will you give me wisdom? Will you help me to live like this? Where do I see this fruit in my life? How can I interact like this in a better way? And God, he can transform our hearts. He can transform us from the inside out and we will begin to have the fruit of the spirit of the living God evident in our lives so that other people can see the God that we serve. Because the God of wisdom, the God who gives us wisdom, he, he mends relationships. He heals brokenness. Um, he blesses other people, and he asks us to live in this kind of way. And when we do, it brings glory to God. So which path do we find ourselves on? What, what kind of person is it that we're becoming? And are we willing to follow Jesus even in this difficult and harder way of life, but the better way that leads to the good life. If you have yet to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, we want to make that opportunity available. Uh, every week, uh, we give an opportunity. I'll be down front. Jason, our associate pastor, is in the back. It, if we can come alongside you in your spiritual walk, we'd be honored to do that. Maybe you've yet to place your faith in Jesus, to say, I want to follow after him, make him my Lord and Savior. We'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, Maybe you have been living according to your wisdom or the wisdom of this world, and you say, no, I'm ready to submit and surrender to God. I want someone to pray with me. We'll have prayer partners down front. Our elders are available for prayer in the fellowship hall. If there's any way that we can come alongside you, any of us, uh, we'd be honored to do that. Let me close with a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for the way that you move and work in our lives, that when we could not live the way you designed for us to, that you made a way still. That in the power of Jesus, we can be made right with the living God. We can be empowered with the spirit of God. That we can too bear fruit that brings you honor and glory. Help us to live as wise people in our lives and in this world. All to your honor and glory, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you again for worshiping with us today. Uh, It was an honor. We'll continue next week with James chapter 4. And in the meantime, grace and peace be with you.